Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12:2. This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Perhaps the most notable aspect of America's revolutionary period was that its chief protagonists were not particularly revolutionary. From Samuel Adams and John Hancock to Richard Henry Lee and George Washington, from James Iredale and Patrick Henry to Samuel Chase and John Dickinson, the leaders of the American cause were profoundly conservative. They were loath to indulge in any kind of radicalism that might erupt into violence, rhetorical, political, or martial. For the most part, they were the faithful sons of colonial gentry. They were devoted to the conventional Whig principles of the rule of law, noblesse oblige, unswerving honor, squirey superintendence, and the maintenance of corporate order. They believed in a tranquil and settled society free of the raucous upsets and tumults of agitation, activism, and unrest. Their reticence to squabble with the crown was obvious even to the most casual observer. The colonials exhausted every recourse to law before they even thought to resort to armed resistance. For more than a decade, they sent innumerable appeals, suits, and petitions to both Parliament and King. Even after American blood had been spilled, they refrained from impulsive insurrection. It took more than the Boston Massacre, more than Lexington and Concord, more than Bunker Hill, more than Falmouth, and more than Ticonderoga to provoke the patriots to commit themselves to forcible secession. Even as late as the first week of July 1776, there was no solid consensus among the members of the Continental Congress that such an extreme as full-scale revolt as John Dickinson dubbed it, was necessary. That week, the Declaration of Independence, drafted by a committee composed of Benjamin Franklin, Roger Sherman, Robert Livingston, John Adams, and the young Thomas Jefferson, was defeated twice before it was diffidently adopted. And even then, the cautious delegates managed to keep the pronouncements secret for four more days. The patriots were, at best, reluctant revolutionaries. Why then did they rebel? What could possibly have so overcome their native conservatism? It was their traditionalism, their commitment to those lasting things that transcend the ever-shifting tides of situation and circumstance. It was that that finally drove them to arms. They fought against king and motherland in order to preserve that which king and motherland represented. According to John Adams in his manifesto, The Rule of Law and the Rule of Men, it is the duty of all men to protect the integrity of liberty whenever the laws of God, the laws of the land, 
and the laws of the common inheritance are profligately violated. Justice demands, he argued, a defense of the gracious endowments of providence to mankind, including life, liberty, and property. To deny this duty is to ensure the reduction of the whole of society to the bonds of servility. Patrick Henry agreed, asserting that it was only a grave responsibility which uh, leaders held to God and countrymen that could possibly compel the peace-loving people of America to fight. The combined tyranny of economic mercantilism, the politicalization of matters of commerce, and the legislative despotism, the politicalization of matters of conscience, had ensured that an appeal to arms and the God of hosts was all that was left to the patriots. According to John Hancock, the Americans had been denied representation in either the taxing authorities of Parliament or the trade boards. In addition, their colonial charters had been subverted or even abrogated. Their citizenship rights, according to English common law, had been violated, and their freedom of religious practice and moral witness had been curtailed. Thus, rule of the colonies had become arbitrary and capricious. It had become supra-legal. It had become intolerable. Under such circumstances, a holy duty demanded a holy response. The emerging consensus among the American patriots that ideological and political encroachments upon the whole of society could be uh, not be any longer ignored was confirmed in American pulpits. The very conservative colonial pastor certainly did not set out to stir up strife or political tumult at the cost of the proclamation of the gospel, as Charles Lane of Savannah put it. On the other hand, the gospel naturally mitigates against lawless tyranny in whatever form it may take, said Ebenezer Smith of Lowell. Indeed, as Charles Turner of Duxbury asserted, the scriptures cannot be rightly expounded without explaining them in a manner friendly to the cause of freedom. Thus, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, was a favorite pastoral text. As were, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and take away your exactions from my people— saith the Lord God. The churches of America were generally agreed. Where political tyranny begins, true government ends, as Samuel West of Dartmouth declared. And the good Christian must needs be certain to oppose such lawless encroachments, however bland or bold. It was uh, not the Enlightenment rhetoric of firebrands like uh, Thomas Paine or Benjamin Rust uh, that drove men from hearth and home uh, to the battlefield. It was the certainty that God had called them to an inescapable accountability. It was the conviction that they were covenantally honor-bound to uphold the standard of impartial justice and broadcast the blessings of liberty afar. It was the firm conviction that politics was not to consume the whole of their lives. 
In the end, the reluctant revolutionaries were forced to arms by a recognition of the fact that resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. Thus was America's great experiment in liberty begun. Is life so dear, asked Patrick Henry, or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Therein is both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net or adoringgod.com.